Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot. This is season one, episode 20 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 different platforms and there's a video version on my YouTube channel, which is the Recovering Hunbot. Today, I'm chatting with my friend Spike. She is John Atac's assistant who also has a YouTube channel. Now, the video I did earlier this week is about an American fraudster from the early 20th century. And as I was talking to Spike, she was like, oh, I have something that's related to that. So she and I are discussing the Huckster Sales Toolkit. Now, the video that I did earlier this week is kind of a cross between multi-level marketing and true crime because there's crime involved because he does go to prison and he is committing fraud. And it's also related to multi-level marketing because at the end of it, I share with you how all these tactics that he used way back then are used today in multi-level marketing. Now, Spike was having allergy issues while we were chatting with each other and This is editing Alonda talking, so I may have an issue with getting some of that out, so just bear with it and just hang in there. And I want to let you know what restaurants that my husband and I supported this past week. It was actually three, and the first one is Whataburger. Whataburger is originally from Corpus Christi. It was a Texas creation, and I know it's in New Mexico. I'm not sure what other states it's in, but really here in Texas, it is a staple, and I will tell you, there have been these like, you know, wars between In-N-Out and Whataburger, Whataburger wins, just saying, been to both, and Whataburger is delicious. The second thing that we also supported, because I love it, and this originates in Austin, Texas, is Sloshkies, and I love to get the turkey original with no mayo and mustard instead, because then it kind of tastes like the original, which has ham instead of turkey, and I just... I just want it to kind of taste like that, but I don't want the ham. I think I'm like doing better if I get the turkey for some reason. And then the last one we supported was on Memorial Day. And originally we were going to go to a different barbecue place, but there was like this long line in the streets, like with cars, not like with people. And so my husband went to another place that's nearby because we had like several that we were like, well, we could go here or here. So he went to this place called Damaris. Damaris has been around forever. It's just, it has a long, long history here in Houston, and it's absolutely delicious. So that's what we enjoyed on Memorial Day. I also wanted to share with you two Etsy shops that I have made purchases through recently. The first one is Halo2Go, and as you can see, if you're watching the video, and if you're not, if you're just listening to me, I did buy this little um, cross-strap purse, multi-purpose cross-body bag. That's what it's called, multi-purpose cross-body bag. And I bought this because I know when my husband goes back to work, I'm going to be walking the dogs and I want to listen to some audio books or I want to listen to some, you know, YouTube videos because, you know, I do that too. And I, I need to be able to carry my stuff with me as I'm walking the dogs. So I thought this would be a really, really great opportunity to support someone who is creating things on Etsy. And I absolutely love this bag. This is the literal bag that I did purchase. And then I want to mention Sews by Lynn. Lynn makes masks and other items. Now myself, I didn't have any masks and I needed some. I bought six and they're each so original. I get compliments every single time I walk out of the house wearing my mask Everyone always says how cute they are. So I will put those links in the description. So if you are looking for items on Etsy, please check out both of these stores and support both Lorna and Lynn. And now let's get to my chit chat with Spike. Hey Spike, thank you so much for joining me. So this week I did a video about George Graham Rice, who is a very early con artist from the 1900s here in the U.S. And really when you go history, everything that's been going on in multi-level marketing didn't just spring up overnight. And in my conversation with you, because you know, we chit chat back and forth in email, you told me about this like toolkit that you have. And I thought that'd be a good fit to kind of continue that conversation about what con artists do, because you know, that's happening in multi-level marketing and that's my primary focus. So I'm going to throw it over to you and say thank you again for joining me and walk us through this toolkit. And I'll be throwing in and out probably, you know, my own observations. 
Okay, well, thank you for having me. It's always a ball and really grand talking to you too. Um, the Huckster Sales Kit is something that I came up with while helping John write his book, Opening Minds, which is a book that describes how all sorts of abusive groups, cults, relationships work, the little bells and whistles and pulls, pulleys and strings behind them. And in the first chapter, he describes right off in the beginning how he himself almost fell for one of these phone scams where they call you up and say, hello, I'm from Windows and your machine is in trouble. And so we wrote this whole little list of what this guy had done and what other hucksters do to get you. And the first thing is confusion. It's not on the yellow pad list, but that was the first thing was this guy was calling up to a phone that he knew it was early in the morning in that time zone. So you're already, you know, you're waking up, you're answering the phone. You're not at your best when you're just waking up. You know, you don't know which way is up. <clears throat> but then we get in the first thing, emotional pressure. Your machine is about to go crazy. If I knew my laptop was about to die, I would be so upset. So, or um, people who sell hand cream. Oh, you're about to be falling to this disease. So the first stage is emotional pressure. There's got to be some emotional stakes to get people's attention, something to <clears throat> get, get them caught, get them going, get them... You know, some, some sort of fear or um, some sort of embarrassment, some sort of emotional pressure that makes you receptive to what they're going to sell. So let me ask you this, because I'm trying to put it within context of multi-level marketing. In multi-level marketing, you usually build, you know, rapport first, but you also are looking for the need someone has and maybe that need is to um they want to lose weight they want more freedom they want you know there's something there that they are looking for to make their life better and i don't know if it would if how the pressure fits in within that context do you have any idea of how to relate it in that context uh, the pressure could just be, oh, you just lost your job, or oh, you don't like your job. Here's a better way to live. Who wouldn't want to be able to just work 20 hours a week and have as much money as they like, or even 10 hours a week and be able to go off on cruises? So there's that emotional hook. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, in whatever conferences you go to, there's a lot of, it's Whenever you've got 50 or so people all in a hotel ballroom, it's an emotional pressure cooker. So there is that. Having never really been in one, the only time that I got semi-roped in, it was because I was having a hard time watching people die for a living. I was living, I mean, I was working in a nursing home, a long-term care home, which specialized in Alzheimer's disease. And so uh, as a youngster, it was very hard for me to see these dear, sweet people and see them dying of a very horrible disease. So they were like, well, you know, your life doesn't have to be like that. If you sold our Melaleuca, then things would be better. But uh, so that's, that also leads into the urgency too, because you've got to, this, this is only now. This is, this deal is now. And if you don't act now, it's gone. You know, that makes me think of the sales pages of different things, like different courses you might sign up for and how they'll have on there the time that's like tick, tick, tick. You like it's only available for, I don't know, 45 minutes, two days, whatever, to make you feel like you better do it now or it's never happening again, even though it's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, act now, act now. Um, I used to work for Macy's for a while as a sign putter upper and my least favorite were the morning sales where at 12 o'clock the prices would go back up and it's like, yeah, show up two Saturdays from now. It'll be, they'll be even lower. Show up two months from now and that same garment will be on the 50% reduced rack. That's how I got a fabulous, and I'm not even a clothes sound and I got a fabulous uh, 
set of clothes because I waited two weeks until they were on the 75% rack, you know. But urgency is a big pull in. Act now because it's going to be gone or also in the computer thing. But if you don't, if you don't act now, your computer is going to go. There's no time. Um, back when I used to play D&D, there was a very abusive dungeon master who would, um, in order to pressure you into poor, poor choices, he'd say, okay, five, four, three, two, one, what's your choice? Wow, I used that method with, you know, when I was teaching because I was trying to get them to do something. So I'd do a countdown. It's like you have X number of time. But I guess I guess it was probably kind of different, like being a teacher and needing to move on to something and Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. It seems like some of these methods can you know, I guess can be used for good or for evil sort of a oh, thing. Oh yeah, uh, any of them. Um sometime we can talk about Cialdini. Robert Cialdini, who does uh, the laws of sales, yeah, the any of them can be used ethically or unethically. That's the whole thing of all of these. Are all they're all they're all double-edged swords. Then we have rap rapport. We have rapport. That's that's third down because first you gotta grab them, let them know that they've only got a fixed amount of time to talk to you, and then you can become their best friend. You know what? That just made me think of something. Um, on the fringes of multi-level marketing is one of these coaches by the name of Ray Higdon. And I can remember him doing videos because I got his, you know, lifetime group rank makers because that was going to help me shoot on up to the top of Beachbody. Oh, yeah. And uh, roll eyes. Um, anyway, I can remember him talking about in his little spiel, and I don't remember the exact, you know, like line for line, but he said to make the other person think that, you know, well, you know, you're about to walk out the door, you know, like put in that sense of urgency. Like, you know, you have something going on, so you really can't talk right now, but, you know, just to give that urgency. So I find that interesting and that that's another component. Mm-hmm. And then you're taking the time, even though you don't have time, I'm taking the time to, to, to give you this wonderful thing. So I am, I'm your best friend now, you know, um, a lot of these candle companies and things like that, they rely on networks of friends. Absolutely. And what you're talking about the, the urgency and like, but you know, I'm going to do this for you right now. That's used in multi-level marketing too, especially like in the messaging back and forth, or even like, um, if you're doing a live video or something, you might say, you know, I, I don't have much time right now, but, you know, I'll answer three questions. I mean, there, that, that component can definitely be used. But rapport, uh, car sales, they're your best friends. Inviting people to Tupperware parties and those bead parties. I saw one of your videos on those bead parties. It was like, oh, my God. I can't I tell you. A lot of, um, bath bombs and yeah. um, pearl, pearl parties. Oh, yeah, the Pearl Party. Yeah, sign me up for that. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I remember when I was working at Macy's and this gal left and I was kind of missing her because she was fun to be with in the break room. And she invites me to party. I think, oh, all right, we can continue our friendship. It wasn't. It was a candle company party. (sighs) And um, you're inviting me to a party, but I'm going to have to buy stuff. It was also like in the new age community, we had this one gal who was trying to set herself up as a priestess for everybody. And she invited everybody to an afternoon tea. And it turned out that we were all there to buy her stuff. You know, that's really interesting because it makes me think of somebody uh, who's a chiropractor here that I only know this through a friend that would basically invite patients over for like um, lectures and, you know, stuff like that. But basically it seemed to me kind of like have plants in the audience, so to speak, but also they were members of the MLM Kayani. And so then they had this built in, you know, group of people that they could pitch this to. Mm -hmm. And also having the plants in the group, that's not on the list, but that's a very, very sneaky and wonderful thing that, that they'll do is um, in, if you go to a Mooney weekend or 
uh, any of the other sort of new agey large group awareness, they'll have plants in the audience to not only model what the co correct behavior is, but to keep an eye on possible dissent and shut it down immediately. Um, Terry Pratchett is one of my favorite authors. In Nightwatch by Terry Pratchett, there's this this party where there's supporters of the old ruler of the city and parties supporters of the new ruler, potential new ruler of the city. And the old rulers who are being taught to think in the new way are being shunted into little groups so that through conversation they can all be um, convin convinced that this is the way to go. And they're not allowed to talk to each other. They can only talk to the people who already approve of the new leader. Wow. So it's sort of a surround and Im immerse. Well, it goes back to keeping people, uh, well, like with an MLM, <laughs> um, you want to be around people who are like-minded, like-minded people, like-minded people, like-minded people. It's the same sort of a thing. They're just like, they're not even part of the group yet, but they're going to be part of the group. And the only way to do that is not to allow them to have that conversation with other people who might be like, I'm not so sure about all this. You know, I don't know. Don't want that. But you can talk to these people because they uphold our values and beliefs. Yep. It's Stephen, Steve Hassan's information control right away. Yeah. And also what John calls gatekeeping. Mm-hmm where you only talk to the approved people and you surround the new people with love bombing and affirming that this is the right way and make sure that the new people don't meet and question each other going, are you sure this is okay? I don't know. It sounds kind of hinky, but that conversation can never happen because in between those two new people are 17 gazillion other people, you know, so they're very, very carefully meshed. Back in, I want to say it was in the 80s, one of my dearest friends, still friends with her, love her to death, she invited me to an event that was in downtown Houston at, um, I want to say it was at the Hyatt. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I figured out afterwards it was an Est thing. And she was like way, like thought it was fabulous. I recognize something is like, this. there's something rotten in Denmark here. And mm -hmm. they were trying to like surround me and like kind of keep me under control. I was able to grab her and just get out of Dodge. Cause I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And if she had gotten back, they probably would have had some choice things to say about you to try to pry her apart from you. If they, if they, it had been worth their while yeah. to do. Something. And we were roommates at the time too. Yeah. They can, they can tear people apart yeah. because, Oh, your mom doesn't like us. Well, your mom is evil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Steve Hassan, he thought that his family was all Satan. Yeah. You know, but they weren't. They were a nice warm Just regular family. people. Yeah. Yep. The next one is consistency. If oh, you yeah. you get them for a little thing, you get them for a little thing. Um, there was an experiment. I think it was Cialdini who did it where people were, could you put this little tiny card in your window? And if they were willing to put a little card in their window saying they supported some sort of political movement or other, then later on, they were willing to put a big ass lawn sign down. Yeah, or if you're willing, beliefs. Yeah, you're willing to go this bit. It also turns into the sunk cost fallacy. Well, you can't give up now because you put so much time and money into it. Um, in Scientology, the big marker usually is OT3, where all of a sudden you find out the frankly ridiculous story of Xenu 75 trillion years ago to solve all of our population. They fly us in DC-8s. They fly, flew all the citizens of space in DC-8s to Earth and then laid all the people around near the volcanoes, put nuclear bombs in the volcanoes and then all the spirits were captured on electronic ribbons and trucked to movie theaters where they watched videos about Jesus and religion and all of the world's history was implanted into our brains and then they were released and were too confused to go anywhere and attach themselves onto the then cave people running about and that's why 
we're all messed up is because we're a bunch of, there's all these body things clinging to us that are real people that have to be sent away. Now that's a ridiculous story on the face of it, but by the time you hear that, a lot of people, especially staff members, never get to that level to hear that. But if you're in it enough to hear that story legitimately, you have had to spend a lot of time in this group to the point where most of your friends are in and you have spent at least a half million dollars just to open that folder and read that story. Oh. So you know, that you spend all this money, you can't go back now, out now. I'll never forget what I guess I don't remember who was <laughs> Leah Remini about you know the OT3 and when she like opened it and her mom's like all excited and Leah's just basically like WTF is this yeah yeah uh, John's experience was he was looking at it going my god what the hell is this and somebody poked their head in and said it's just like the the mind bend uh, the mind parasites, which is a Colin Wilson science science fiction book that was rather popular in their crowd at that time. And John thought, "Oh my God, this guy actually knew what I was thinking," and because it checked out on the e meter. Oh gosh! It ran it on the e meter. And the e-meter said that it worked. But, you know, when you're surrounded by people and you've put this much time and energy into it, you're going to be a little bit more consistent with it because you're a bit more committed to it. Or that's <clears throat> sometimes, I mean, would you stay, would somebody stay in a wedding if there weren't a big party that cost thousands of dollars and everybody knew that you were now stuck with this guy? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, and that's, there's a lot of, if you put in this amount of energy, you're not going to walk away once it goes sour because, you know, there's the old um, excuse for staying in an abusive relationship. Well, we don't just divorce, we fix things when they're wrong. And yes, that's, you know, you don't want to divorce the first bump, but you don't also want to live the rest of your life with somebody you absolutely loathe because your church says you can't leave. To bring that into multi-level marketing terms, because generally what can happen with most people, if they even quote unquote experience success, like somebody's buying their crap for a little bit of a while and maybe it looks like they're moving up or something, but then it kind of plateaus and it fizzles out. And they can't, it, it's like, it's not happening the way that it once did. Or even if they've gotten higher than that, and now all of a sudden there's been a shift, there's been a change or something, but they still have to put on the face, the perception as if everything is dandy. This mm -hmm. is the way, because it goes back to that whole consistency that you're talking about and their own belief system is going to have to be like, well, this has to work because I've been told it works. I did see it work. Surely I can make this work. I just have to, I have to do something differently. It's, it goes back to blaming themselves, continuing to act as if that's the big thing is to act as if. Act as if. Yeah. The as if, as if everything's okay. That cops up in a lot of abusive relationships and families you have to act as if we're a happy family act as if we're really okay uh don't let anybody else know but also in scientology talking about unreasonable expectations is that every thursday at two you have to have your stats in your statistics and that might be number of letters written number of people you've gotten to buy a book number of people you've gotten to take a course now that number in scientology has to go up every week if it goes down one week then that week you get less privileges yeah you might even lose your right to birthing or to food you and and if it keeps going down you're it's your fault so that they're left on this treadmill of oh it's I, it's got to be better than next week it's got to be better than next week it's got to be better than next week otherwise you have evil intention against david miscavige out you go oh that within the um world of like i'll just go beach body i would say overall mlms in terms of the numbers 
because you know you do you do document how many people you're reaching out to when to follow up with them and you know you need to be doing like adding people as friends you know x number of people you need there's different things that you need to be and it's always the numbers associated with it in general whether that is attainable or not attainable is a completely different thing but you keep on you know doing that and you know someone could ask you well how many people did you talk to this week and then if you didn't meet the number, the perceived number that you should, that goes back to, well, then that's your fault. You weren't really doing the work. Yeah. 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 It's not that the stuff is overpriced or that you own a human being only has so many friends who are willing to buy their crap for a certain amount of time. There's limitations. Everybody's doing it. Now this is something that's called social proof. Oh yeah. Social sociology. Proof. Now, um, one of the, one of the, um, healthy or actually just non-abusive practical ways is that you see in a household where you do, where you take your shoes off, there's a pile of shoes by the door to show somebody who's coming in the house that you put your shoes there. My husband and I, we call it Mount Vesuvius. Mm. But that being said, or you go to, if you're driving down, down the main drag of a town and you see your favorite restaurant, you see that there's not so many people there, but there's lots and lots of cars over here at this restaurant. Well, they, they must be doing something. Let's go see what they're doing. You know, we tend to duck decoys work on this very same principle. So it's even used on ducks. If you see a bunch of ducks around there, well, that's a safe place for ducks to be. Well, you know, to bring it to the multi-level marketing type thing and social media, with Instagram, it's going to be how many likes you have on something and comments. Same mm -hmm. thing with, you know, um, you know, a business page on Facebook. How many people have liked that? You know, just all of that. And if you see a, a big following and that's why people will buy followers, then, you know, it's like, it looks like, oh, something's really going on. But then when you peel that back and you see like, but not many people are commenting or they're only saying a couple of words, it's not, it, or they're bot clicks. That's what click. is that it doesn't weigh. It's like, you know, but then there are people will you'll see where they have a huge following and they have a lot of people saying stuff, but the people saying stuff are usually the people that are already within the entire bubble. So mm -hmm. it's like it's or even not sock puppets. outside people, but they think if they comment on each other's stuff, that will attract others. So they're trying to, I guess, emulate social proof. They're, cre they're creating a sense of audience. That's why Scientology, if you ask a practicing Scientologist how many people are in Scientology, they'll tell you 8 million. They don't have 8 million. They have never topped active members. They have never topped a million as far as active paying members. It's always been down at a quarter million, somewhere around 25,000 at its height. And now it's getting lower and lower and lower. But if you go to one of their sale, um, you know, their sales pitch or their, their meetings, they'll be saying, we have reached this many million people and we have done this and it has been 10x performance and that all these people are involved. I mean, I remember one person commenting, why are you so down on Scientology? It has helped millions of people. It's like, really? Name 12. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting with Scientology how they keep on building the orgs, even though they sit empty, you know? Yeah, yeah. And no one's there. You want to annoy a Scientologist, just bring out the L. Ron Hubbard quote, the, the moment that buildings get important to, more important to us, then I have, you have my permission to go around and blow up a few. I, I forget the exact quote. I should look it up. It's a funny one. But uh, flocking, everybody's doing it. You got you. Come on, you've got to do. I, you know, after school specials. Try this, man. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. So every yeah, everybody's doing it. So why aren't you? That's why a lot of companies go. We're the most popular company. Da, 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 da. We're this. We're that. We're the most. 
everybody loves us every so we must be good but the thing is everybody who does quote love them again they're part of the bubble you know (laughs) or sock puppets of the people in the bubble too you know create a whole bunch of false folks that are yeah um you know and also the thing is that just because everybody thinks something is right in in Europe in before the 19th century you know what the most popular form of public entertainment was public executions and not just quick ones either people being drawn and quartered which was you know having your arms and legs struck to corpses being pulled apart having your guts torn out while you were still alive it's interesting how things like that um when it's the social norm and it's socially it is accepted as it's okay you know, then you, you don't, you don't see it as problematic at all. You know, no. It's a cultural type thing that's embedded, which goes into multi-level marketing is so much of our culture and values are embedded into that. And so it's very hard for people to be able to see the problems associated with it. Yeah. Well, we can actually look uh, and anybody of middle age knows exactly how different our culture was just 20 years ago. I mean, I was raised by two moms back in a time when I could have been taken away from them just because they were two women in a relationship together. Nowadays, we at least know that, no, that's not cool. You know, and and we have a much better culture as far as recognizing the whatever percentage it is, depends on who you ask, between 8 and 12% of the population is gay. We know that they're just our neighbors, our friends, our mothers, our, our, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters. You know, they're just another facet of our culture. But a couple... A couple decades ago, it was horrible and awful and pedophile was still the same word as gay. And, you know, we've changed. We change over time. Some some things for the good, some things not. It just, it's always evolving and changing. It really goes back to what we perceive as being the social norms, you know, and the, the social mores and our values and what they are at the time. That's why I think it's very difficult for me personally as an anthropologist, when I look at a group, I try to remove as much as I can and be very neutral. And same thing when I look at belief systems associated with MLM, all this, I try to come from a neutral stance and not put my own values on that because, you know, um, that that's just, it's not about my values being better than somebody else's, but to be able to look at it and try to understand how and why they have that belief system and how it functions for them, whether there's things in it, I find problematic or not. I mean, and I'm not the judge and jury of, you know, any of that. However, I will be the judge and jury and say that multi-level marketing business structure is horrible. Yeah. And the bottom line is, are people using other people as things? Are people hurting other people without any feeling for those other people's autonomy and goodwill. Like just to, just to uh, do an example where most of us would go, but then I think we talked about this before we hit record. This is the next button down is scarcity. Yeah. Was it before we hit record or was it after we hit record? I don't record? remember. <laughs> well, let's talk about scarcity Even again. If we, and... about it, we can talk about it again. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. Because you've got to... Everything is now. You, it, it, supplies are limited. Um, I was just watching something about uh, various, various cultural things that happened uh, in the last century. Remember Beanie Babies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, talk about an artificial scarcity. That this one blue, what was it? Was it a walrus? A blue oh, walrus no was it was? It was super rare and there were riots at the stores. I even remember Cabbage Patch Kids doing that too. These ugly, ugly dolls. If nobody's ever seen them, they're these ugly, pudgy-faced dolls that apparently became I'm the subject of... They were the rage. Riots. Yeah, riots. And so, um, 
you know, artifi artificial, uh, short, artificial uh, shortages, just like toilet paper in the early days of our, of our pandemic, toilet paper was all of a sudden being... <laughs> Well, this makes me think of bringing it into MLM, for instance, with Beachbody, you know, Shakeology is the staple that you need to get, but they will release a particular flavor, like in the fall, the pumpkin spice. I don't think you can get it all year long. And then only a few people are able to, not everybody's able to get it. Same thing with, with like some of the unique cosmetics, they will release something. But the thing is, it's like all the presenters are buying it. It's not like you and me and just regular people are going, can't wait to get me some of that. Um, you know, Lula Road, special little things. I just, there's all of these things that they have limited editions of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So you got to get it. Myself, though, when I was in Beachbody, I was like, basically, screw all that. I don't care. I'm sticking with what I have. Yeah, but it's an artificially created, yeah. created scarcity that really there wasn't any demand for the idea that there's this thing and you have supplies are limited and when really there's a truck out back with a whole bunch more. Well, or like with Beachbody, <laughs> it's always like, I have room for five people for this next thing that I'm doing, the challenge group. Five, you know, looking for five women. BS, I was looking for five women every stinking month. One month, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very, very artificially, but it, it creates this thing of, oh, I've got to buy now. Uh -huh. um, one of my favorite John quotes, in fact, I've even made it into a thing that I've been trying to get him. He hates the idea of marketing at all. And yet I was, you know, Chris has merch. It's, it's a fun way of supporting a channel or somebody who you do believe in is to buy a t-shirt with one of their sayings. And I've been after him for years now but he still won't but in one of my favorite john quotes if we ever get it on anything on a t-shirt it's this if you have to buy now don't yeah you know now I, on t-shirts buy now supplies are limited <laughs> <laughs> you know i created merch a t-shirt after i got my first 100 subscribers and i mentioned it like one time because and i think it's like some of the um aftermath of having been in MLM and especially right now during the pandemic I don't want to be like hey join my Patreon hey join my you know it's like, it feels really icky to me and that's why it's like you know but I've picked up some patrons over through this without even telling people to do it because I, I just don't feel like it's the right time so I can really understand you know, like John and his like kind of aversion to the marketing thing because I'm kind of the same way it's like I don't want to just like do use all of those tactics that I talk about, even though I'm not doing it in a way that's janky and going to harm people because I never want anybody to put me on a pedestal and think I'm, you know, the bee's knees or anything and that I know everything because I don't do your own research. But, you know, yes, that is one way that you do support creators. Now, I will mention this about that whole marketing piece. I find this very funny. And it's especially those Enagic Hunbots again they have a huge problem with me having a Patreon. They think, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, like I'm doing the same thing. I'm marking, I'm, it's like, it's like okay, they're very different. It's, it's yeah. It's all on a, 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 a continuum for one thing. And also there's also a line of, are you forcing people? Everybody should go check out Chris's merch because he's got some fabulous t-shirts. I am a t-shirt junkie. And he's got some very clever and pithy sayings on t-shirts and you get a valued product that you actually use and throw a few bucks down so he can keep on doing his work. But Scientologists, ex-Scientologists in particular, they have been so badly burned by the what they call the regs, the registrars, the people who sell more time. So I can understand and also is somebody who's coming from an MLM, yeah, once you've been burned in a certain way, anything that even smells like that, even if it's a good thing, is going to put you off a little bit. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's uh, real. That's like, real. With, yeah. With Patreon, I mean, anybody who, okay, because people have been supporting artists for, you know, eons. Everybody oh, yeah. knows exactly what they're getting. It's not like it's a hidden thing, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, we have a couple of patrons. I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful to them. And, you know, because, and if I ever get my, my own income over, I have a list of folks that I will immediately start throwing a few bucks at every month because I listen to their material and they're a very valuable part of my day. So there's a line between when is that ethical and when is it not ethical. And as Cialdini teaches us, a lot of these things can be used very ethically indeed. And some of them can be used extremely unethically indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, what's really important is for people to look at is that it depends on how it is being used. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. if I'm like mentioning my merch, which I'm not, I don't, I think I wore my t-shirt yesterday when I was talking to Chris when he interviewed me. Well, let's get into reciprocity there. Reciprocity. Do you guys do free gifts? Um, yeah, well, I actually did a whole video on the function of reciprocity because reciprocity is a huge thing within um, anthropology. And I went through all of that. And then I added onto it extended reciprocity because within MLM, you feel like it's giving you something and because you believe it's giving you something, you're going to work harder. But then I have a whole cycle of things of how it also extends to your upline and it extends to the products that you feel like you're getting something out of it. And so you have to keep on giving back. And I I brought in mouse and um, the gift and there was, Oh, I talked about Melanoski and the cooler ring because all of that is like, you know, the, the exchange. Yeah. Yeah. In Scientology, it's called exchange and uh, Hubbard in one of his pretending to be more ethical said that you should never, ever just get money just to get money. But of course, now people are paying thousands and thousands of dollars for things that are never, ever happening. Um, But yeah, I mean, even in uh, the religious or spiritual angle, you've got, well, Jesus died this horrible death on the cross for you. So you have to do this, 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 and this, and this, or God is giving you the earth or in an abusive relationship. um, I'm keeping you fed. I'm, you know, doing all of this for you or an abusive parent will say, I gave you life. How dare you say no when I ask you to, you know, do this horrible thing for me. Yeah. It goes back to like, it's a, it's a power thing as well, you know, an abuse of power. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be, I mean, you know, those, that is one of the things that reciprocity and cooperation is what built human society. I mean, if we were all just all for ourselves, we would have never developed even flint napping, but reciprocity, it, it, puts our culture together, but it can also be used as a guilt tool. You know, I thought I, I thought we were friends. I gave you this, and yet you're not going to do everything I say. Oh, that, that definitely hit me as <laughs> doing Beachbody of things that I had done for people in the past, but then they didn't reciprocate. And that just mm-hmm. really just pissed me off. It was like, but I did all of these things for you. But at the time, I didn't realize what I had to offer was janky. So nobody wants it. You know? I love that word, janky. I'm going to start using that now. It's like, nobody wants this crap, but, you know, so it, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, me it was what I had to offer and what's funny what I have found is like everything that I learned about how to do social media and and nobody was paying attention to anything I was doing they didn't give a shit but I started doing anti-MLM stuff and it's not like I have a huge channel right now but it just organically has grown which is so Mm -hmm. much different than feeling like as an MLM you're trying to force that to happen But that's the huckster's sales kit right there, all of that. Well, all of it, like, you know, as we've been discussing, it it really goes right on into multi-level marketing. There's all these different facets. I mean, anyone who is going to approach a person with a proposition that is a less than stellar, they're going to have some tricks up their sleeve and some are smarter than others. Yeah. And some people seem to be able to do it naturally. Other people, um, 
read their Dale Carnegie and Dale Carnegie was just doing a very nice book, but a lot of people have used that book to act nice when they're not. Yeah. 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 A lot of things I would say have been bastardized, you know, um, in the name of making a buck. And I think a lot of times people like who come into multi-level marketing is, is it's not like somebody has a, a criminal mindset, a con artist mindset initially mm-hmm. over time because they're, er- they're, how they think is eroded and it's replaced with something else. And I don't think they're even aware that now they think like a con artist, like a scammer, like a criminal, they, they're unaware that there's been that transformation. It's called cloning where somebody in a totalitarian or authoritarian group will slowly take on the personality traits of their perception of the leader. Well, see, but within multi-level marketing, you don't have a single leader. No, you don't, but you have a model of what those people at the top are. Well, I would say you have a model of um, how multi-level marketing works because it's it's like you Uh, you examine any one of them and it's like there's an overall model and then you kind of plug in the different little ones all within the umbrella that have their different little nuances, but there's really a model that sits on top of it. It's not so much of someone that you're looking at. It's like, well, that person's, they got it going on. But once you get into it, then you might see someone who is at the top of the multi-level and it may not be the CEO, but it may someone who is like within Beachbody, a 15 star diamond that you think, wow, she's just amazing. He's incredible. And you start, you, you have respect for them. And then you want to, you know, and maybe that's why you end up joining their team or whatever, but you end up seeing them as being successful and you want success. So maybe if you do things like them, but the problem is, is someone coming in new in multi-level marketing and they do the exact same things as someone who's like a, what's called an elite coach or one of the top 10 coaches, you're not going to have the same reaction. You're just going to go like, it's going to be a lead balloon. They've already got a built-in audience for everything. So it's very different. Yeah, but, th- but then you also have in Beachbody, you have these super trainers like Sean T, Shailene Johnson, Tony Horton. Tony's no longer with them. I mean, there's a bunch of others and you look up to them when there was Beachbody Live where you could get certified to teach a Beachbody um, program. You would see those people who taught it and you know, like that would be with the super trainers would be in the background of the videos and that you would go and cause I got certified in two programs and you would see them like teaching this. You would want to be like them too. So it's, it's a little bit different than, you know, like saying having like a David Miscavige or a Jim mm-hmm. Jones or, you know, somebody, a central figure. It's, it's really more of a, mm-hmm. it's, more mental than anything. Does that yeah, make there's a, like the JWs too, they have eight guys who are in charge. And I don't think if you're in it, you actually know who they are, um, the governing body. But there is definitely a model of the perfect member. And uh, so a lot of the groups that don't have one central leader will still have a personality type that is deemed to be this is what you should be. This is how you are because you know, that, that it's not going to be the leader anyway. It's going to be their perception of the leader, but it, without a leader, it's going to be their perception of what the ideal member looks like. And see, I would say like within Beachbody, it would go back to the four vital behaviors. Everything always goes back to, are you doing the four vital behaviors? Oh my God. What are the four vital behaviors? I'll bite. Invite, invite, invite. You always have to have something to invite people to. And that would go be the free group, the pay group, and then the coaching, the opportunity for the business. And then there is personal development. Then there is be a product of the product. And then there's recognize, recognize, recognize. With recognition, that means like, okay, if you hit success club, if you get success club, then you're on the leaderboard. 
If you um, rank up, then there's an announcement. If you um, are on the national wake up call and you answer the trivia, then there's an announcement and you get like a little prize. It's just like in, like within your groups, if you're doing a free group, it might be you recognize somebody has completed the first day of the water challenge and did a fabulous thing. Cause it, you can, it can be very small. It can be very large, but different ways basically to make people like that a boy, you know, it's like you're giving them a little trophy, you know, and just making them mm-hmm. feel that it, it's kind of tied in a way to love bombing as well. Oh yeah. 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 Because you've got to, it's um, because any effective brainwashing, it's not just the beating down. It's also the bringing up, but only when you're doing the right thing. Yeah. 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 Okay, here's your little gold star. Now go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be like, look, all of these people got the gold star and they get to go to the special group, but you didn't get the gold star. So you don't get invited. That's how it worked within Beachbody, which is so crappy. And that was a huge control mechanism of to keep you at doing it because you wanted to unlock like the next level, kind of like a game. You wanted to unlock going to to get that special attention. I was thinking of a video game because right now my husband and I are addicted to dragon merge. And yeah, it's kind of funny how in the last year we've, our conversation has kind of become this loaded language of video game terms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Spike, I want to say thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. I mean, I have such a good time chatting with you. And, you know, there's there's always so much to talk about with everybody who is, um, I guess, in, in the fight of destructive groups, in the fight against anything that is um, eroding personalities and humanity. It's an important conversation, I believe, for humanity to have as we evolve better and healthier ways to govern ourselves and each other. If you look at how things were back in the 13th century where the king had ultimate rights over you and, you know, we were all either starving or really, really rich and protected by a bunch of people in metal cans walking around with broadswords, we're learning that rights to determine our lives are not just extended to white male landowners, but to anybody of any color, any flavor, any whatever. Humanity is learning, and I think in this time, we are learning how not to treat each other. And that's a very important conversation for humanity to be having at this juncture. It is. And one of the things that I said early on during the pandemic is I think we can be better and do better with each other. And overall, I do. That's really my belief. We can yeah. be better and do better. Even if it's something as simple as opening a door for someone or, you know, whatever it is. And we, we just can be better with things and with each other. If we, mm-hmm. if I, I really feel that if we approach people with kindness and, you know, compassion, understanding, um, seeking to understand, you know, as opposed to automatically just kind of like having walls up, just trying to be open. And I am far from perfect. I'm not, but I do try to be open to understand, because I want to be better. I want to understand things and I can't learn if I'm like, well, I know it all. Yeah, no, I think we all are getting better and we are all learning. And the more that we can say, well, I'm not perfect and I don't have the answers and saying, I don't know, but here's what I think and comparing notes with each other. I think the internet is going to be a moving forward is going to be a great tool for humanity to reach out to itself and learn from each other. I agree. And I think it's also important to be like, well, this is what I believe today because, you know, if I learn something else, I can change what I'm saying and saying, you know, just because I said that yesterday, don't come and beat me up because I now I'm saying something different. Well, I have new information. Yeah, we should be able to change our minds. Yes. That's a very, very, you know, beware the person who says, who keeps stuck to that one thing and doubles down because they can't, they can't admit they were wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah. And nobody, I know nobody I'm, I was wrong. wrong. Who wants to say I'm totally wrong? I mean, nobody wants to do that. But you know what? There's beauty, I think, in saying like, ah, I got that wrong. I, you know? Oh, I was, yeah. I, I, I mean, the stuff that I believed back when I was uh, still, still just before 2012 and everybody started going a little bit wobbly in the new agey community, the stuff that I believed, it's like, oh my God, did I really believe that? And you did. Yeah. Just like I believed in Beachbody. And like I told Chris yesterday, I remember saying I would bleed blue. That is how attached I was to Beachbody. You know, I would bleed blue. And blue is Beachbody's color. Oh, I, I was about to say, I was going, okay, is that their color? Uh, yeah, that's their color. That means that, you know, you're, you, you would never change and go to another company or do anything else because you are loyal to that organization and that is will i ever see thee red i will marry at thy will sire at thy will sorry it's an old folk song i don't know it <laughs> uh it's called rose it's from from the uh war of the supposedly from the war of the roses but probably is a bit of folklore rose 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 will i ever see thee red i will marry at thy will being that it's a bunch of couple of lancaster people saying will i ever see you marry a york person ah uh. Okay, gotcha. British history. Gotta love it. (laughs) Well, girl, I'm going to let you go for now, but I've had such an amazing time as, like I said, you know, and and these are important conversations and thank you so much for your willingness to, you know, come on and talk to me. And I know we're going to have more conversations because, you know, that's the beauty, I think, of building this community in terms of with other creators and people that work with creators since you're John's assistant is like, then we can all start talking with the, with each other and then find other people to bring into the fold and like just mm-hmm. get the message out more in terms of why these things are problematic and hopefully it might, somebody might see something and go like, huh, maybe I should rethink what I'm doing. Yeah, and just creating the circle of creators who all are, you know, because it's not just one of us. John is no guru, believe me, even though people accuse him of it. He, he's wrong sometimes, and like one of our commenters corrected him on some little thing. It was like, yes, thank you. I needed that little bit. We've all got pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. All right, girl. Well, you go enjoy um, the rest of your day and um, I'll chat to you later or chat with you later, whatever. (laughs) Thanks, Spike. It was such a pleasure talking with you. Now, I want to know from you, what did you think of this Sales Hucksters Toolkit and how do you think that it relates to multi-level marketing? I'm just going to say, as I lift the hood in multi-level marketing, you know, I get more fascinated with the more I learn, the more I want to know. And that's why I keep, you know, making things to share with you because I just really am just mesmerized by there's so many different intricacies interrelated on this, you know, quote, business structure that we know as multi-level marketing. Now, like Spike said, when we talk about this toolkit and really when we talk about just marketing in general and sales, you know, it can lean towards it being ethical or unethical on the continuum, depending how things are applied. Now, to me, when I think of multi-level marketing, because the whole idea is for, you know, we know that you have to just recruit people to make money. Just selling the products alone isn't going to cut it. You've got to get other people to join you. And that means that you have to sell to them a belief. More than anything, that's what you're selling them is the belief that they can do this, that they are going to be able to have passive income, residual income, and they're not going to have to really work that hard because they're going to have all these other people doing it too. And the money is just going to start flowing in at some point. Yeah, you might have to do some upfront work and work really hard, but sooner or later, you're going to be able to just kick back and relax and, you know, it's just going to come in. But the thing is, even those at the top, they're running around ragged. I mean, they want you to think they're living this dream life. But the truth of the matter is, it's not a dream. It really ends up being more of a nightmare. 
and you know, when you think about it, those who do join, they join because they believe what they were sold. They were sold this dream, just like maybe you were, and I know I was. They, like everyone else, are also victims. And what they end up doing is perpetuating that myth, that belief system, because they have to. That's how they're holding their house of cards together, is by keeping that going. The problem, though, is with those who create this type of business structure, because it's set up for only a very few to make any money. And beyond that, it's really only set up for those at the top, the C-level, the CEO, the founders, those people to make money. Everyone else, they're just really not that important because they could close like that. And a huge issue is that, you know what? If you start having a problem, that's your fault. It's never the business structure. It's never a problem with the opportunity. It's always on you. It's something you didn't do. But if you do well, well, that's because the opportunity is so amazing. And then when you start to falter, well, it goes back to you, which is it's just so icky. It's just really using so much of what we believe in. And I think that's the overall problem that we as Americans believe that if you work hard, you can be successful. And MLM leverages that and they twist it and bastardize it. And it just becomes such an icky mess. It is so highly problematic. People need to wake up that with this business model, it was never intended for them to win. It's for them to think they're going to win. But they need to realize that if they're struggling, it's not their fault. The fault is with how it's all set up. And if they're going to make a change, they need to break away from it. And I know stepping away from something that you believe in because you think if you just keep on going, if you just work a little bit harder, you're going to find the right people. Other people are going to see how amazing this is. And they're going to join you and be by your side. But you really end up, it's more of a rat race than anything. And you will absolutely exhaust yourself just trying to even begin to get a little bit of momentum. It's up to us to put our stories out there and to talk about this very frankly because people need to know it's not their fault. The system is set up against them and change starts now.